Welcome to the Inside Selling Podcast. This is Josh Braun. Today we're talking about why facts, logic, and reason don't motivate people to buy. And for that conversation, I'm joined by Steve Schell. Steve is a former linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. When an injury forced him to change his game literally, he pivoted into finance and real estate and found his calling when he started coaching other real estate agents. 23 years later, he read a book by Chris Voss called Never Split the Difference and tossed out his playbook, redesigned the whole program from scratch, which inspired him to write a book called The Full Fee Agent, How to Stack the Odds in Your Favor as a Real Estate Professional. I hope you find this conversation useful. I now bring you Steve Schell. You seem like a very regimented guy. Have you always been that way? Yeah, the short answer is yes. Even when you were young, this was just part of your DNA. You're doing things that you don't want to do and you're doing them anyway. My mom loves to tell a story when I was in elementary school and we had to walk to school and all the kids would walk to school with their parents, except I made my mom walk behind me. I had to be on my own and walk myself. And my dad has an even better comment. He said, if you could have changed your own diapers, you would have. So (laughs) (laughs) that's that's just how you're wired. Of my, you know, makeup. That's just how you're wired. Yeah. So in 1991, you start selling real estate. You sort of accidentally fall into it. I think like all people accidentally fall into a career in sales. No one, I don't think wakes up in the morning when they're seven years old and says, gee, I want to be a real estate agent or gee, I want to sell software. And your first year, you do really well. Uh, you, you, you do 51 transactions. Uh, you learn how to do the job a little bit better. The following year, you double that. And you start to think to yourself, hey, I may as well start teaching this stuff because I've seemed to have cracked the code on helping sales people, specifically real estate agents, get a little bit better. So you go into coaching and you do that for 25 years. And then one day, it's a Saturday, it's raining, you're sitting on the couch and you're reading a book called Never Split the Difference. You finish that book and you say to yourself, I've been doing it wrong for 25 years. I have to throw out my playbook. What was it about that book that recalibrated your thinking in such a profound way after doing it for 25 years? Well, I was the guy in real estate who was taking all the emotion out of everything and boiling it down to fact, logic, and reason. I have a very logical, analytical mind, and I I, I like to chunk things down. I like to take, you know, a a big topic and chunk it down into bite-sized pizzas. And the way I had always done that in real estate is let's get rid of the emotion and let's boil it down to fact, logic, and reason. And somewhere in the book, I don't even know if it's written in the book, the, the, the aha, that aha moment hit me that you cannot overcome emotion with fact, logic, and reason. And that was the truth. I and mean, the truth is the truth. And when that light bulb went off, I, you know, let go of everything I was doing. I got on the phone, got a hold of Chris. I said, Chris, I read your book. I think everything that you talk about in this book applies to real estate 100%. And I'd love to do a course with you. And he said, yes. And that was uh, about seven years ago now. 
And uh, we just put the, the book out about two months ago. So when you say logic and facts, let's talk a little bit about that. So I've sold my home before and a traditional you know, real estate agent will say, hey, Josh, your home is listed at $500,000 and you need to lower the price of your house to $400,000 to sell it. Um, here are all the comps. Let me show it to you. And in addition to that, you need to spend another $20,000 to stage your home to give you the best chance of being able to sell it. Um, here's all the stats on logic on that. Here's all the information on staging a home. And I think you should do it. Um, is that what you mean by logic? Because that makes sense. I mean, that's certainly makes sense. Is that what you mean by logic and facts to try to persuade people to do something that you want them to do? This is what salespeople do all the time. They see a situation, they size it up, and they try and make an argument of why this would make sense. The problem with that type of thinking, that's not the way we make decisions. We make decisions based on feelings and specifically fear of loss. And so when you're asking someone to lower their price by 20,000, 200,000, whatever the number is, in their mind, they're locking in a loss. They are locking in a loss. They're losing, in their mind, they're losing money. Now, they never had that money. However, in their mind, they had that money. And so what, what salespeople are doing every single day is pitching gain and benefit and opportunity. And those things don't move people. What moves people is eliminating uncertainty. And so the way to really uh, be effective at what you do is by learning to find out what people's fears are, what their worries are, what their concerns are. And that's what we need to address first. And not, not rebutting what they're thinking, understanding what they're thinking and making them feel understood. And then talking to them in a way where they can begin to get comfortable with what's going on. If I ask you to reduce your price, I'm going to have a very different response versus you telling me, you know what? I think we need to reduce the price. And so salespeople are basically trying to tell people what to do rather than learning the skill of having them tell you what you want them to do. Yeah, so the traditional sales approach is based on controlling the outcome, if I understand you correctly. I want to get someone from A to B to C. And there's also a bias that I would imagine that the prospect can sense. Of course you want me to do this. You're a salesperson. You have commission breath. Of course you want to do this. And so when you try to control people, if I understand you correctly, you create resistance because people don't like being controlled. I mean, I tell my wife to drink less wine. She, she, she drinks more wine. <laughs> No, I, I, I tell my wife all the time, you want to make sure I don't do anything, tell me to do it. And that'll, that'll work <laughs> every time. And no, you're, you're, you're 100% correct. And, you know, that's uh, Tom Brady wrote a book called TB12. And he talked about um, the missing piece in athletic training is pliability, stretching the muscles, you know, Every athlete is out there trying to get stronger and bulkier. And, you know, that, that, that's been the paradigm 
forever. I, I grew up in that, in that paradigm. And, and his whole training methodology is completely different from the standard training. And pliability is the missing piece, stretching out the muscles. And that's what tactical empathy, what Chris came up with as a hostage negotiator, tactical empathy, which is the art of influencing people by articulating what they're thinking and feeling without agreeing or disagreeing or sympathizing, you know, the skill of making people feel understood. To me, that, that is the missing piece in sales. All salespeople are taught, you know, find out what's going on and then pitch into it. And there's a big missing piece. It's not enough to understand what's going on. First, you have to make people feel understood. And until they feel understood, they can't hear anything you're saying. So when you're, you know, you're giving them all this fact, logic, and reason, they're not even listening to it. They're just, they're in their own head thinking about all the things that can go wrong. So, so before this switch, if you were doing a for sale by owner, you were trying to get someone to list the property with you. Um, before this switch happened, actually, I'm even assuming that you did that. But I'm assuming real estate agents do that. They try to like, so before right. this switch, what would the, what's the traditional way that a real estate agent would call me up? I have, let's say I'm for sale by owner. And the traditional approach would be, would, would sound like what at a, at a high level? At a high level, you know, I understand you're selling your home. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish and how is it going so far. Uh, I'd love, you know, I'd love to be able to help you if I can. Oh, by the way, if I happen to have a buyer for your home, would you be willing to cooperate? And, and, and in essence, what that salesperson would want to do is keep showing up day after day, week after week, waiting for that for sale by owner to get sick and tired of trying to do it on their own. And when they, you know, got tired, then that would be the opportunity to, you know, hire me. And that's what salespeople are doing all day long. They're trying to wear people down. And so that approach doesn't work because they're wearing people down. It's a very one-sided approach that seems like it's in the best interest of the real estate agent. There's not any listening going on there and, and everyone's doing it that way. And so in this other approach that you have, you mentioned tactical empathy and understanding. How might that conversation start? Um, let me actually try it. And I want to get your reaction because you're a coach and I want to yeah. sort of, and I'm not a real estate person, but after reading your book, I'm going to try to see if I'm kind of getting the hang of it and you can, you can correct me a little bit. Um, so I might start the conversation with, uh, Hey Steve, lovely home on Marbella drive. How long you been there? Let, let, let's stop right there. Mm. Hi Steve is now a bad time to talk. You're probably very busy. Okay. And what you want to do right from the beginning is let them tell you it's okay to talk. All right. You're not bothering them. You know, so we, we and again, this is a big, let, let's back up for a quick second. Not to, we'll get back into this because you said something very important. 
in sales, all salespeople are making it about themselves. They're trying to they're trying to get their agenda across in some way. They're trying to manipulate the conversation so they can get what they want. In this approach, tactical empathy, again, the skill of making people feel understood. Look at it this way. Every conversation starts. You're on one side of the street. They're on the other side of the street. Your first move is to walk over to their side of the street and get next to them and understand how they're seeing the world. And then you're going to label and mirror back to them to make sure that you understand what they're saying and they get that you get what they're thinking and feeling. And then from their side of the street, you're going to get side by side and you're not going to lead them to where they need to go. You're going to guide them to where they need to go. And they're, they're going to, you, you, what you're doing is getting them to do what you want with them thinking it's their idea. They're making that choice. And so with the for sale by owner, you know, again, you know, is, is now a bad time to talk? You know, you're probably very busy. No, what is it? Well, uh, my name is Steve Scholl. I'm a, a real estate agent. Probably the last thing you want to do is talk to a real estate agent. You probably have agents knocking on your door every single day trying to get your business. And you're just labeling what they're thinking and feeling. And you can anticipate. You, you know what for sale by owners are. A, why are they for sale by owner? They want to save money. And B, they think they can do it on their own and they don't need a real estate agent. And so you're going to label all those things. You know, you're probably doing this because you feel like in the end you can net more money. You're probably thinking it's not that complicated. And it's something that you can do on your own. And what you're targeting is a that's right response. That's what you're targeting. You're trying to get in alignment with what they're thinking and feeling. And then you're going to get a sense of whether they're open to having a conversation or not. And if they're not, you're going to say goodbye, have a great day and, and be gone. So you've formed a theory of mind. Like you have a hypothesis because you're in real estate as to why someone would be doing a FISBO and you were very specific. And so what's happening when you're saying that, and I, I'm not even listing my home, but I've listed my home before. I found myself going like, I found myself going like this as you were talking. I'm kind of, I'm kind of nodding my head a little bit. You're sort of joining the conversation already in my head. Psychologically, what's going on there when you're labeling, you're probably doing this and you, th you think you can do Y and, you're, and you're, you're sort of joining me where I am. What's going on psychologically behind the scenes? Because... I want people to understand the reason behind it so they can apply it to their, their specific audience. What you're doing is you demonst you're demonstrating you understand what they're going through. You've, you've been here before. You've done this before. You know, it seems like, it sounds like, it feels like. You're probably thinking. You're probably feeling. You're labeling. We call it labeling. You know, salespeople have been taught to ask questions. We're not asking questions yet, yet we are 
labeling, we're anticipating what we think they're thinking and feeling. So they get a real sense that, hey, I, I, I get where you are. And I'm not trying to, you know, move you from that. I'm, I'm acknowledging where you are. We, we, we have a basic framework that we follow. First of all, in real estate, and you can probably apply this wherever. In real estate, what agents are doing every day is they're selling reality to people who have hopes and dreams that are not based in reality. We're selling reality to people who have hopes and dreams that aren't based in reality. Every seller wants more and every buyer wants to pay less. It's universal. There's, there's no seller who wants less for their home and there's no buyer who wants to pay more for their home. And so, you know, everyone has hopes and dreams. And those hopes and dreams are typically not grounded in reality. But however, my job, I've got to sell reality. It, it, it's like in the hostage negotiation business. With a hostage, now think about this, all of you in sales. And as a hostage negotiator, you're selling jail time to someone who's in a highly emotional state. No one who's a hostage taker started the day thinking, I'm going to jail. That, that was not the goal at the beginning of the day. And, and so in real estate, you know, we're not sell, they're not selling jail time. However, they are selling reality to people who have hopes and dreams that are not based in reality. And the framework that we teach is the first thing you have to do, and this is for all salespeople, you have to take your agenda, your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your thoughts, your feelings, and put them on the back burner. They don't belong in this the equation. It's not about you. It's always about them. And that means, A, you can't be attached to the outcome, and B, you have to let go of all your fear around whatever might happen. Step two is you have to let the, the person you're talking to fully express themselves. And you're going to ask them, what's going on? It sounds like this, seems like this, feels like this, and you're giving them the space and opportunity to let you know everything that's going on in their head. Step three is then make them feel understood. That's when you're acknowledging what they're thinking and feeling. You're articulating it back to them. Once they feel understood, step four, then make them think and make them think in a specific way. Don't tell them, don't explain, make them think. And the specific way that you want to make them think is based in reality. And if they're, they're not willing to have a realistic conversation, then you have to realize you can't help that person, which is the last part. You cannot help people who do not want your help. And, you know, one of the things that Chris says, which is, you know, so phenomenal, it's not a sin to lose business. It's a sin to take a long time losing business. And what we're teaching here is basically how to get to the truth as quickly as possible. I love that. So let's actually take that framework and let's role play this. You being the real okay. estate agent, 
me being the homeowner and you're, I noticed when I was reading up on you, you used to go knocking on doors. You used to like physically knock on a door. So let's right. just do that in this scenario. Let's imagine that you are in my neighborhood and you see a FISBO in my house. Uh, you see my car outside. You see my dog playing outside. I got a couple kids, skateboards out there, bikes are out there. It's a middle income house neighborhood. Um, windows are open. You knock on the door. I open the door. And let's actually kind of go through that. And I might take us out of role play a little bit. I might have some questions. I may go in and out of role play. But let's actually start from the beginning. And then we'll see if we can't see how this applies to a real world scenario. Because uh, I love what you're saying. So knock, knock, knock. Um, hi, hi, how you doing? How can I help you? Are you going to be the agent or are you going to be? I'm the... going to be the uh, I'm going to be the homeowner. Okay. You're going to be the agent. Oh, I'm going to knock on your door and you know, knock, knock, knock. And you're going to answer. Hi, hi. hi. how can I help you? Hi, my, uh, you don't know me. Uh, my name is Steve Scholl. I happen to be a local real estate agent. Have I caught you at a bad time? No, I have some time. Okay, great. I know you're probably not thinking about selling your home. Hmm. Now, I'll add a role play for a second. Right. So... If I'm a if I'm a for sale by owner, if I have a for sale by owner, oh, okay. oh, for sale. All right, all right. I, I was just a cold door knock. My my bad. Oh, you, let, let's, actually, let's stick let's stick with that. I love okay. where you're going with this because this is even harder. Right. I, I didn't ever heard that term before. Cold door knock. So this is even better because so our salespeople that are listening to this do cold calls. Like there is okay. no signage. There's like no intent. So I love this right. even better. So so let's do yeah. let's do it over. I, I know you're not looking to sell your house. So let's add a role play for a second. Make, let me see if I understand this. What you're doing is you're acknowledging the truth, which is probably that the person isn't ready to sell their house. So you're gonna you're, sort you're, of take that, you're gonna take that objection off the table because it almost is impossible for me to say, I'm not selling my house because you've proactively said, I know you're probably not selling your house, right. which is like, I can imagine the number one objection you hear probably. Right. And when for people knocking on doors in real estate, the first thing any, anyone says when they answer the door, I'm not selling. That's the first thing they sell. So what we're trying to do is get in front of that. We're getting in front of that. We're taking away their gunpowder. We're taking away the objection. You're saying, look, I know you're probably not thinking about selling your home. So that enables them to relax. And they're going to go, so well, it, well, why are you here? Yeah. Well, so, so in software and so in software sales, right? right. So, uh, Hey James, my name is Josh from Snowflake. I know you're not looking to switch your analytics platform now. I know you're not in the market looking for podcasting software right now. You're probably happy with what you have. You've been using it for many years. It's been working for you. Is that, is that kind of the, is the feel of it? Perfect. 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 And now, okay, now if they're interested, and this goes to another principle, people love to say no. People love to say no. And no makes people safe and protected. And so we want to leverage that. When we, you know, every salesperson has been trained get to the yes. Well, when you're trying to get to a yes, you're creating unconsciously creating resistance. That's what you're creating. 
when you, so what we do that we call it no oriented questions. And that's where we ask a question designed to get a no response that serves us. And so in this with software, when you, when you, all those labels that you just gave, if they're interested, they're going to say, well, actually, no, I am looking for this or I, we are looking for that. And if they're not interested, well, then I'm going to save a lot of time. I don't need to be trying to pitch you on something that you have no interest in. I want to go to the next call and I'm going to wait till someone says, well, no, actually we are having an issue. And you, when you give people permission to say no, it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. Yeah, it's like pe people like correcting other people, but they don't right. like being corrected. So one of the things that I often hear from salespeople when I talk about this is, oh my gosh, I would never bring up an objection because I'm planting that in their mind. Uh, what's your take on that? Okay, it's not my take, it's, it's science. <laughs> you, you can't plant a negative. You can't plant a negative. Now, if the negative is there, you'll bring it out, which you want to do, okay? Because if there, if, if there is a negative inside someone's head, we want that out on the table. We don't want that under the service. But if the negative is not there, you actually inoculate it. That's what you're doing. You know, so we get this in real estate. There's always been a question. Do I ask, are you interviewing other agents? And the answer is definitively. You always ask if they're interviewing other agents. And then you ask them who they're interviewing. And then you ask them, why are they interviewing those people? And the reason you want to do that is if they don't want to tell you who they're interviewing or why they're interviewing, that's a clear sign that you're the fool in the game. You're not getting business. And when... And, and so one of the first questions, you know, would I be wrong to assume you're going to be talking to other people? And they're going to say yes or no. And then if they say, yeah, we are, great. And if you don't mind, who are you talking to? Now, if they don't want to share that information, that's a clue that I'm the fool in the game. I'm not getting this business. Because when I'm the favorite, when I'm the favorite, they have no problem telling me, who they're interviewing. They have no how problem. Are you, how are you going to be the favorite knocking on a door cold though? Like I can understand that if it's a sort of an inbound lead and your marketing has brought them to you, I can see why you would be the favorite and not the fool. But when you're knocking on a door, uh, how, how do you reconcile that? Because you're, you're always the, you're not the favorite ever when you're knocking on a door, I would imagine. Well, not necessarily because it's, again, it goes, remember, we don't make decisions based on fact, logic, and reason. I'll, I'll give you an example of how I could be the favorite at the door. I knock on a door. This is someone who used to be in sales. And here's some guy, young guy out there knocking on the door. And in his mind, he's going, right on, brother. Man, I, I, I've been there before. I want to help you out. Because, again, that's not a logical decision. That's based on his emotions, based on his past experience in life and, and and see this is people make decisions based on emotion not fact logic and reason you know i'll give you a, uh to strengthen your argument this happened uh three days ago i get a lot of cold emails people selling me stuff all the time when you jump on a demo 
I delete all of them. Last week, I was posting something on LinkedIn about some plantar fasciitis I had. And this salesperson sends me a message. It's a cold email. And this is exactly what he said. Uh, Josh, I had plantar fasciitis too. This is what's worked for me. And he put a picture of a tub with water in it. And he said, take some bottles of water, freeze them, like six, drop them in the water. When the water's cold, submerge your feet into that cold water for 10 seconds and then take it out, do that 10 times. I'm like, I'll try this. And I did it for like three or four days. And believe it or not, I've been struggling with plantar fasciitis for six months. My feet are better. I reached out to him and I'm much more likely to I'm like, hey, what do you have? Versus like the traditional person. So to your point, there's this sort of, it's not logical. I had no idea what he was selling, but I wanted to learn what he was selling. I had no idea what the hell he was even selling. Right. And, and so, and, and you bring up a good point. There's no way to become the favorite. It happens. And mm. your job is not to become the favorite. Your job is to find out, am I the favorite? And in real estate, the entire real estate industry, in my opinion, is built on a false belief. Every single real estate agent in North America believes they win or lose business based on their listing presentation and to a lesser degree, the fee that they charge. Every real estate agent in North America thinks this. What they don't understand is their presentation has nothing to do with it. 80% or more of the time, 20% or less, maybe. However, we're not going after the 20%. We want to go after the 80%. What they're, what, the reason why agents get business or not is whether they're the favorite or the fool. And so the clients I'm working with now, they haven't, they haven't given a formal listing presentation in years. They do a pre-listing Zoom call. And within 15 to 30 minutes max, they find out whether they're the favorite or the fool. If they're the favorite, then they would go to the house, get the contract signed, answer any questions. If they're the fool, then they're not going to the house and they're saving themselves hours, hours of work that they would have done in the past chasing business they were never going to get. And is the tell of being the fool or the favorite, the disclosing of information? Like if the prospect is guarded and they're not sharing information or they're giving very surface level answers, is that a tell for knowing you're not the favorite? That's one of them. Or is the conversation collaborative or not? I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So uh, a potential seller calls me up and says, we're thinking about selling our home. We'd like you to come out and give a presentation. And every agent goes, yay. And, and you know, all they want to do is set the appointment and, and go to the home. I'm going to, I'm going to say to that person, well, how can I help? How can I help you? And in their answer, they're going to answer one of two ways. They're going to answer how I can help them, or they're going to answer how someone can help them. And you learn to listen for the difference. Well, what we want in an agent is X, Y, or Z, or what I need from what I need from someone is X, Y, or Z, versus what I need you to do is X, Y, or Z. Next question. Well, tell me what's going on. And 
Now they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to start interviewing you, start asking you questions, or they're going to share information. Both cases, these are tells as to whether you're the favorite or the fool. What you brought up, collaboration, is one of the big things. Is it a two-way dialogue? Or are they keeping all their information close, like the standard objection in real estate? Every agent, you know, what price are you hoping to get for your home? Oh, you're the expert. That's why you're here. We wanted to hear your opinion. Okay? Fool. You are the fool in the game. When you're mm. the favorite, the client will say, will say, well, we're hoping to get a million five. It's two very different responses based on whether you're the favorite or based on whether you're the fool. And in football, when I played football for forever ago, every week we would get a scouting report on the other team and a big book and all their tendencies. You know, if they came out in red formation on the left hash mark, uh, midfield with, you know, uh, behind by seven, 30, you know, 38% of the time they would run this play, 26% of the time they would run that play. You were given all these tendencies. And so when you're in the huddle and they call the defense and the offense lines up, you're reading all these different things based on what you know. It's no different in, in, in sales. What you're reading, am I the favorite or am I the fool? Because the clients will disclose this. And salespeople are totally oblivious to this because all they want is the business. That's all they want. It's almost like you're, you're asking them to give you your value proposition versus you giving them. You, you so, just nailed it. So, so like in, my, in my business, what I, and what I do sometimes when I get an inbound lead, um, so this is someone that might have expressed interest in getting some sales training, I might say something like, uh, what is it that you think I might be able to help you do better? And then I might just come out and say, because I know they're probably shopping, now you've got like John Burroughs out there, you've got Jason Bay, you've got Beck Holland. These are people that have been doing sales training. They're really good sales trainers, especially John Burroughs who trained Salesforce. What would inspire you to want to work with a former kindergarten teacher? That sounds like a terrible idea, right? And then I, I shut my mouth and, and oftentimes what I'll hear then is either very shallow answers, and I guess your, your term for that is maybe I'm the fool, or no, dude, we've been following you for four years. We did this. We're not looking at anybody else. And that's when you know, is that, it's kind of like a spidey sense that you get there a little bit? No, you just nailed it. We call it proof of life. Proof and of life. Proof of life. And the question is, and you, you asked it, you know, like in the situation you described, look, you have all these other people out there. They're great. They're wonderful. I'm just curious. Why me? Mm. And then, then you shut up. And the answer they give you is their perception of your value. And then you have to read, is that enough of a, if, is, is that enough of a reason for them to do business with you? And when, like when you describe, well, we've been following you for years and we watch your this, and we watch your that, that's proof of life. Yeah, there's a reason why they're calling you. So yeah, you're, you're dead on with that 100%. I get it. All right, I want to circle back to a couple of things you said. I made some notes because I know uh, we're going in so many different directions. And this I expected because there's so much chuck full of information in your book and interesting things to talk about. But in the cold door knock, I love how you started it off. Uh, you're probably not looking to sell your house. You're going to do something very hard that you did in the role play that I hear very few people doing, which is, is you're not saying anything else after that. 
you're kind of, you're basically quiet. And this is uncomfortable for a lot of salespeople, but I would imagine the most popular answer you're gonna get is, you're right, I'm not selling my house. Where do you go from there? Great. Well, that's not the reason I'm here today. I do a lot of work in the neighborhood. I don't believe we've ever met in person, and I simply wanted to come by and introduce myself. Okay? Mm. Now I've opened the door. If they want to talk real estate, guess what? They'll talk real estate right now. They'll, They'll start asking me questions, and I'm going to answer the questions. And if they don't want to talk real estate, they'll just be real quiet, and you'll say, well, I appreciate it. Would you, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to leave my information with you and they'll say great you leave your information have a great day and you're gone that's simple okay now if someone has a fisbo so now we have someone that we know is trying to sell their house you knock on the door did i catch you at a bad time i would imagine the approach is a little bit different i would imagine because now you can see there's sort of you're reading into some different things because and i'm not a real estate agent obviously but because they have a fisbo now in your head you're like you can make certain guesses that are a little bit different. So let's walk through that track a little bit. So pick up, I answer the door. Did I catch you at a bad time? No, I got some time to chat. Um, how, what can I do for you, Steve? Well, obviously the last person you probably want to talk to is a real estate agent. Okay, so this is perfect, right? So this, this again, out of role play. So you know this because they're listing their home by themselves. Right. If they wanted to talk to a real estate agent, they would be calling a real estate agent. Right. <laughs> So in a cold call, you know, my, and I'm just riffing with Steve here, you're probably going to hate me because this is a cold call. Yeah, same, same kind of idea there. Okay. So that's going to just, and also that's kind of a little, fu- that's kind of funny a little bit. I'm, I'm, it almost makes me like, and the humor lowers my guard a little bit. You probably don't want to uh-huh. talk to him. And I would imagine my reaction is going to be, all right, well, I don't, but what, 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 what can I do for you? I would imagine. I could see saying right. that. Well, no, you say, look, the last person you probably want to talk to is a real estate agent. They're going, that's right. That's right. We're all a bunch of scumbags. Okay. <laughs> what you're, what you're, you're, you're going to really go to the extreme. So to see if they're going to push back on you at all. No, you guys aren't that bad. No, I don't, I don't mind talking to you. You know, again, he, the person who says it matters. I'm not trying to stick my foot in the door. I'm waiting for them to invite me into having a conversation. And if they're not going to invite me into a conversation, I'm going to the next door. I don't need to waste my time. I don't need to convince them that they need to talk to me. I don't need to convince them that they have something they need. If they want something, they'll ask me. Is part of your job, so in software sales, part of our job is shining a light on a potential problem that the prospect might not know they had. And so real briefly, the story that I usually tell in workshops, and this is a true story, three years ago, I'm in the mall with my wife, I didn't need anything. I was going to get some dinner with her afterwards to kill some time, I walked into a fit to run store. If the sales associate said, what brings you in today, I would have said nothing. If she said, yeah, any problems with your shoes, I would have said no. If she said these bricks are on special, I would have said I'm not interested. If she said these bricks have more soul and carbon, I'm like, good, but she didn't do that. She looked at my sneakers, she said, are you a runner? I said, yes. She said, what distance? I said, I'm training for a half marathon. And she said, have you ever had a gait analysis test? Moments later, I'm on the treadmill. She freezes the frame, zooms in on my ankles, and she goes, you notice how your ankles are overpronating when you run? And I go, yes, yeah, so what? She goes, well, if you run in sneakers that are not made for pronated feet, you can get plantar fasciitis, you can get runner's knee, and ultimately sidelined. 
If you'd like, I could check your sneakers to see if they're made for pronated feet. And as an old Jewish guy running, I'm petrified. And she checks them and she ends up selling me some sneakers. So she's sort of shining a light on a problem that I didn't know I had. So my question to you is with regards to the FISBO, are there some things that you might know about the risks or as you put it in your book, the consequences of listing things to bring those to light to see if that is something that matters to the prospect? Of course, you're not ramming it down, but is your job to subtly... Uh, shine a light on that similar to what the sneaker salesperson did? Is that part of your approach as you get deeper into the conversation? Remind me again what she first said to you about the sneakers. Yeah, she said, have you ever had a running gate test, a running gate analysis? Okay, so the way we would say that is you've probably already had a running gate analysis on your sneakers. And I would have said, what is that? No, I haven't. What is that? Right. Okay. Right. So, so why, 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 so talk, I want to talk about this. I love this. What's the, it's a subtle difference, but it really matters. So the, oh, the story showed, right. said, what's the, what's the difference there between what she said and what you said? Cause I'm giving, I want them to say no in a way that serves me. Okay. And so I want to phrase things so I can get a no response. Why is that? Because no feels safe or no, no lowers resistance? No feels safe and protected. People love to say no. It, 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 going back to an early example, it's real simple. You can get on the phone and you can say, is this a good time to talk? Or you can say, this, is this a bad time to talk? You'll get a way better response in terms of people talking to you when you say, is this a bad time to talk? No, it's, it, it's okay. Versus... Is this a good time to talk? Well, I'm actually kind of busy. That, it, it, you know, same person. I understand. Same phone call, two completely different responses. And the, and the yes is a problem because it all goes back to traditional sales approaches. If you're in the mall and a kiosk person says, "Can I ask you a question?" You know, if you say yes, you're going to be led into some trap of getting right. C scrub rubbed on you. So in your in the real estate example, would it be you've probably worked with a real estate agent before to list your house before you put it up for sale by yourself? Would that, would that be similar to something like that? Right. You know, so for the for sale by owner, you know, you're probably getting a lot of activity. You've probably got lots of offers. You probably don't need any help. Things are probably really going great. You're, you're going to just throw all that at them. They're not expecting that because what are they expecting? They're expecting you to try and sell them on something. The pitch. And you're saying you probably don't need my help. Are you stopping between each of those labels or are you uh, rattling off? What you asked, yeah, what you asked before, and this is a really important point. Learning how to pause. Learning how to slow things down. When, 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 when you use pauses and you slow things down, then people, it, it draws people in. Now they have to listen. Now they have to wait for what you're having to say. You know, salespeople are so used to this idea that I've got to have an answer to everything. And they hate silence and they hate those gaps. Use those to your advantage. And so what, remember for all salespeople, the way you listen has much more impact on the situation than anything you're saying. The way you listen. And so, and, when most salespeople are listening, as they're listening, they're just thinking about what they're going to say next. Instead, 
listen, knowing I can then take the time to process when the person's done, I can process what they say, and th- then think about what I'm going to say next. And, they, and when they can see you thinking, when they can see you thinking, then you're leaving an impression in their mind, hey, this person's being thoughtful about what they're saying. Mm. Changes the whole dynamic of every conversation. So you will go, so through each of those labels, you'll pause and you're, what you're looking for is, well, actually, Steve, we haven't been getting a lot of action on the house or we have been getting some action, but not at the price point we want. You're kind of yeah. waiting for something like that. You're, you're waiting for a potential problem. Right. And yeah, I would say that's probably pretty disappointing. So even after this is really interesting because the traditional salespeople that are listening to this, myself included, by the way, I was trained traditional spin selling, is the second I hear a problem, well, that's exactly why I'm here, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. <laughs> right? So what you're saying, you're actually leaning in, you're being a little patient. And you're going to, again, make them feel like you get them. And I think when I interviewed Chris, he talked about this oxytocin chemical that's released. It's a trust chemical. And you wrote about this in your book. I, I have a similar, the trust is a differentiator. I think you, have, you put it more elegantly. People buy trust or they buy the person they trust the most. In a world of similar real estate agents, the person that they trust the most can can win. And so is that part of why you're doing that? That's probably been very disappointing for you. Is that the psychology behind that? Yeah, it's probably very disappointing. They'll respond. You know, it's probably not what you expected. You were probably hoping that, you know, by now, you know, someone would have showed up and written an offer and you'd be getting ready to close. And you just, you, you just keep labeling and labeling and labeling. And as you're doing that, they're relaxing and relaxing and relaxing because you're articulating what they're thinking and feeling. They don't have to tell you. They get that you get what's going on. And, and then that opens the door for them to, you know, start asking you questions. I would imagine there's this, because I'm feeling it as you're doing it, there's this flip that happens after they've been heard and understood. It's just natural. Like, well, what do you do? And now that's a very different conversation because they're leaning forward, I would imagine, at that point. What, getting back to what actually happens, people don't understand the power of making people feel understood. What happens, and you touched on it, there are two chemicals that get released in the body. When, when I feel understood... Uh, oxytocin and what oxytocin bonds people to you it's a bonding chemical and it promotes truth telling the other chemical that gets released is serotonin serotonin makes you feel satisfied and less demanding so this is it's a physical response and you'll actually see their shoulders come down, their face relaxed. It's like you feel the plug going into the socket. And when that happens, and that's the getting the that's right response, then now, now they can actually hear anything that you're trying to say. Love it. I want to touch on one more thing before we wrap up. It's one of my favorite parts of the book. 
and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but I was really relating to it. There was a section of the book where the homeowner was selling their price far above market value. Let's say the market value was 500,000 and the person said they wanted 700,000. And rather than you trying to convince them, what you did in the book was you laid out the landscape of the consequence of leaving it the way it is so that the prospect could decide if they want to keep it the way it is or they want to change. And it was something to the effect of, um, yeah, you have a couple options. Uh, you can certainly leave your house listed at a million dollars. And what will probably happen if you do that is you probably won't get many uh, bites. Um, or we could reduce it a little bit and you'll probably get 25 or 30 people, maybe more um, interested in the house. Um, what would you like to do? How would you like to proceed? I know I'm butchering this a little bit, but the spirit of this is you're not trying to tell someone what to do. In an unbiased way, you're, as I wrote this down as I was reading the book, you're the arbiter of unbiased information. And you're sort of letting the prospect decide what they want to do based on the facts, as you called it earlier. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that before we wrap up? I know we're getting tight on time here. Well, you know, let's say the seller is overpriced. I would say to that seller, I am not here to convince you that your home is not worth what you think it is worth. I simply have one question for you. What happens if the buyer who wants your home most isn't willing to pay you what you want? What are you going to do? And now they're going to, you know, they're either going to say, well, we're not going to sell or they're going to, they're going to let you know what's going on. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm just making them think in a certain way. And if the answer is I'm sticking to my price, no matter what, now I know I have an unrealistic seller and I have to make a decision. Do I walk away now? Do I exit gracefully? Or do I think they just need some time to process? I have to make a, a decision. What I'm not trying to do is convince them in any way, shape or form. And so, mm. you know, these are the kind of things that we, that we get into. Such a big shift. Right? It's from controlling to letting the other people, letting the other person decide for themselves. You're sort of asking a question that makes the person think differently about their current situation. One of the examples I think I got recently was, um, how do you know you're not overpaying for subscriptions you forgot about? And I was like, huh, that was another product for a company called Truebill. Right. Another one of these questions to your point was uh, from a guy that sells car wash supplies. It's like, how do you know your wash mitt isn't scratching your car? And it turns out when you wash your car with a normal bucket and sponge, dirt can get on the sponge and scratch your car. And they sell this bucket with a grit on the bottom of it. But he's not selling the bucket. He's asking a question to make you think, look at this terrible thing that could happen if I wash my car with a sponge. <laughs> and then you get to decide if that's important to you or not. Some people don't care. People like me bought the grit guard. Um, and I think it gets back to what you said at the beginning. And I'll paraphrase again. You're for some people, but you're not for everyone. And knowing how to right. protect your time is a good skill to master. Right. We're, what we're doing here, we live in a Las Vegas world, meaning we live in a world of probabilities. And time is our most precious asset. We only have a limited amount of time. And so we're making a choice that we're going to sit at the 80% table, meaning 
we're only going to go on those on on those appointments where we feel we have an 80% chance or better of getting the business and we're going to say no to those opportunities where we only have a 20% chance or less. Yeah, maybe we might be able to convert one or two out of 10. But I don't want to go on 10 to get one or two. I want to go on 10 to get eight, nine or 10. And so we're willing to walk away from the low probability so we can stay, you know, tapped into the high probability. I love that. I have a similar saying, don't sell meat to vegans. Find some vegans. Right. <laughs> Find some meat eaters, rather. Steve, speaking of time, you have been so generous with yours. If people want to learn more about you and your book, where can they go or your training programs? Well, the the book is called the The Full Fee Agent. It's myself and Chris Foss. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to email support at performancecoaching.com. Book is available on Amazon.com. Uh, questions support at performancecoaching.com. What was it like being in the Super Bowl? I got a funny story. You know, I grew up my whole life, like, you know, watching the Super Bowl. And I had this idea in my head that when they did the coin flip, the players who went out on the field were, uh, got a coin. And I happened to be one of the tri-captains that day for the, for the Miami Dolphins. And they flipped the coin. I wanted my coin. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get my coin. But anyway, it was, uh, you know, it, it, Playing for Don Shula, who is the winningest coach in NFL history, uh, you know, taught me so much. And all those lessons, you know, going back to your very first question, you know, all those lessons I learned being involved in sports all along the way up to the highest level, I've taken all of that into my coaching because real estate's a performance business. And, and then you know, meeting Chris and reading Never Split the Difference just opened things up dramatically. Most salespeople are out there working hard at doing the wrong things. And some have gotten very good at doing the wrong things. And don't make, don't mistake success for doing things the best way possible. The more value, one of the things that Chris teaches, the more value you give away for free, the less valuable you become. And if you're explaining, you're losing. Unless, of course, you're giving away that value on a podcast. There's exceptions. <laughs> Steve, you're the best. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure meeting you. I've heard so many great things about you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank you very much for having me. I wish you all the best.